Good morning, new community. I'm going to be sharing uh, just a, a brief encouragement with us this morning as we wrap up our series on the greatest of these um, is love. And uh, I'm excited to be with you today, this morning, uh, in whatever capacity you're joining us, whether this is a Sunday morning that you're listening to this podcast or you're out on a run or you're gardening uh, sometime later in the week. I'm really glad that you have joined us. I'm also glad that our city is getting back to some of its rhythms and love that Hoop Fest is back and love all of the excitement and uh, the kids especially uh, playing downtown. So if uh, you have an opportunity and you're able to get downtown and enjoy some of this gorgeous weather and um, just some playtime, I hope that in whatever capacity you do, that that is fun. And uh, here we are. Um, so we have been going through this series on love and I'll be honest, I have been listening to sermons on love my whole life and it doesn't get old. Um, I would love to say that I have learned everything I need to learn about love, but I think what we quickly understand about something like love and the God who loves us so deeply and so well is that we don't ever get to the bottom of this. Uh, we don't get to the bottom of love. We don't get to the bottom of who God is. Um, and as we grow deeper in our relationship to God, um, that our expression of love to one another, to our community, and to ourselves, um, that it grows in maturity. It grows in, in our understanding. Um, and so it is always good to revisit love, our need for love, our need to express love. And as we see um, the church throughout history, um, there have been moments where the church has loved so, so well and moments where it has not. And it is always good to be reminded and to be challenged again. How can we love? How can we love Spokane well? How can we love one another well? Um, how can we learn to love ourselves better? So this morning is um, what I hope will be uh, just a sweet challenge to us. Um, I am going to be unpacking a passage a little bit that I really love um, out of Colossians 3. Uh, this is actually a passage that um, I first learned um, by heart when I was in high school and have often come back to it and found that it has really encouraged me. Um, as we've gone through this series on love, one of the things that I have really enjoyed is uh, the different perspectives and the different insights that um, Russ and Kevin have brought um, to our concept of love. And so I'm not going to present anything real new um, in this short uh, encouragement, but I am hoping that you find something in it that is edifying and that um, that encourages you this morning. So uh, I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll jump in. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would reach through my words, um, that you would touch each one who's listening online, um, whether it is a uh, whether it's a Sunday morning, whether it's a Wednesday afternoon, uh, whether it's the middle of the night, it doesn't matter. Uh, your word is alive. It is active. 
And it does work in us in mysterious ways that we often cannot even begin to fathom. But we see the outworking of that. Um, We see how your work is made manifest uh, through us in our community, uh, in our uh, relationships with one another. And so I just ask that uh, that your word would um, speak to our hearts this morning, uh, speak to our hearts today in this moment, and um, that it would do the deep work that only your word can do. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister, to speak, um, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bible or your phone and you would like to turn to Colossians 3, 12, uh, that's the verse that we're going to take a look at this morning. We've been looking at Corinthians 13, um, and 1 Corinthians 13 is this passage that's so familiar about the different traits of love. And as we've examined um, how the greatest of these is love, that these traits that we see in 1 Corinthians 13 are the traits of the God who loves us. Uh, made manifest in Jesus and how Jesus walked that out in his lifetime with those that he was around, Uh, what that looked like with the outcast, what it looked like with um, those who were on the fringe of society, what it looked like with um, his own disciples who could sometimes be really difficult, um, that ultimately it um, it looked like the cross it looked like obedience to the Father. Um, <clears throat> and so when we look at the practical sort of pouring out of love in 1 Corinthians 13, um, we see that love is this all-encompassing. There are all these different traits, but we see that love is this all-encompassing um, virtue that as we are going to identify here in Colossians, um, Colossians uses the term binds them all together. Um, And so I think that also applies to 1 Corinthians 13, that all of these different things that we desire to be, that we wish the world exhibited more, that all of these things are bound together in love. And so often we have in our mind different pursuits, things that we ought to be more or um, should practice more. And um, in that some of those things come natural to us and some of those things not so much. Uh, but whatever those traits are, they are all bound together in love. So pursuing love, pursuing a God who loves us, who has been in pursuit of us uh, our whole lives, um, that we were born to be loved um, by God um, is a wonderful thing to hold in tension with some of these traits that sometimes don't come so natural to us. So let's take a look at Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Um, I'm just going to read this and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. So Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So 
the first thing I'm going to identify about this passage that I love um, is that it, it contains a metaphor. There's a comparison here that draws on something that we're all pretty familiar with, and that's clothing. I love a good metaphor. This brings out the part of me that uh, loves poetry, that uh, loves creative writing, um, and that teaches about these things. So I'm not going to teach you all about metaphor this morning. I think we're all pretty familiar with the concept uh, of comparing one thing to another. But just to highlight, metaphor has that clever um, that clever way of giving us new insight into something that may feel very familiar. So we might be familiar with the need for compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience in our own lives. But when we think about clothing ourselves, right, all of a sudden it, it puts it in a, in a different light. It gives the concept uh, a fresh sort of perspective. So. I've got three ways that we're going to look at uh, these virtues um, in terms of clothing. So here we go. (laughs) Bear with me. I hope this is fun. There are three things about clothing, and and I actually talk a little bit when I'm teaching uh, at Whitworth. I talk a little bit about clothing, and what it often does is signal to us something about the individual who is wearing it. Clothing for many of us is practical. Um, It's also representative. We choose our clothing as an expression of ourselves. That's something that our society is pretty keen on. Uh, We see that reinforced a lot in our society. And I imagine that each one of us in one way or another has adapted that concept of representation in our clothing. Uh, That can manifest in a couple of different ways. Something I've noticed about the Inland Northwest, and I actually had this conversation with my husband uh, this last week. So we were on the phone. I was in Spokane and he was in Philadelphia. And I was uh, laughing because he uh, was experiencing some very hot weather, but it was also pouring rain. And I said to him, uh, well, uh, it's a shame you didn't bring your umbrella, but at least you don't look like you don't look like an outsider. And he, <laughs> he said, oh, it's a shame I didn't bring my umbrella because here in Philadelphia, unlike the inland Northwest, everybody uses their umbrellas. It is no badge of honor to just wear your hood pulled up and not have an umbrella the way it is in the inland Northwest. So this is something I discovered when we uh, first moved to the inland Northwest is uh, you need to have the right gear. Uh, you need to, and it's part of, it's part of the uniform up here. Uh, you need to have the right gear. And, uh, if you don't have the right gear, suddenly you have bad weather, but bad weather here in the inland Northwest is only a result of the wrong gear. I discovered, um, there's something to be said about that. Uh, it's one thing to trek across campus or to go for a hike. Uh, in tennis shoes, in the snow, to have them get wet, um, to be cold, uh, to be slipping everywhere. It's another thing if you get the right boots and those boots allow you to trek in a way that is comfortable and safe. Um, Wearing the right jacket, 
pulling up that hood and looking stoically at the weather as though it's not your first rodeo, right? There's this idea that um, the right gear, uh, the right clothing, and we're keen here in the Inland Northwest on the right clothing, uh, appropriate to the circumstances, uh, whatever the weather may throw at us, which includes staying now that we've hit hit the 80s, which includes staying cool. Um, But it's interesting to think about clothing as protection and then to apply the metaphor. So if we think about compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, it's not hard. It's not a real stretch of the metaphor to think about how those virtues how they actually protect our own soul, how putting on compassion encourages empathy, how kindness towards others and towards ourselves encourages health. It brings strength to our bones. How humility encourages mental well-being how gentleness and patience, both with ourselves and with others, encourage growth and perspective, strong communication and friendship. That these virtues bound together in love actually represent a kind of protection for the souls that um, we both encounter and that we are. And that can work like a good parka in bad weather, like snow boots when it's when you're out for a hike. All of a sudden, the the rockiness of life and the things that we encounter don't take us down, don't wear us thin, um, that our relationships don't falter uh, when our finances falter or our relationship to our children doesn't get brittle um, because they are going through a crisis. We find that um, clothing ourselves in these virtues actually bring a protection to ourselves, and then we can extend that protection to other people. As far as representation goes, clothing is one of those things that uh, our culture says uh, you've got to choose the right clothes in order to demonstrate who you are. Um, I don't think there is a better example of this than a uniform. Our culture has embraced the concept of the uniform directly connected to expertise. If you see somebody in a uniform, you assume that they know what they are doing, whatever that uniform is. When I pull up to get my oil changed and the guys come out and they've got their uniform on and uh, it's oily and greasy and I think, well, uh, they've done this. This is, this is not the first time they've changed oil. So, um, I mean... When I started changing oil, I got oily and greasy. So I'm going to assume that, yeah, they, that uniform, that tells me they know something. But take that authority to another level and um, you can recognize the uniform, for instance, of our military. And the uniform will actually tell you what branch of the military somebody serves in. Um, it will tell you uh, what their rank is. And <clears throat> that clothing can communicate a lot about their authority. 
It's interesting to think that um, uniform is something that is culturally agreed upon. Um, that if you are from a different culture and you come in, you you may not know the language of uh, the uniform, whatever that whatever that uniform is. <clears throat> but you can still identify that it's a uniform, that it's designed to, in some ways, make the individual who's wearing it um, disappear a little bit, right? That that it is in its lack of uniqueness, they actually, you see them as a part of something bigger. And so in that lack of uniqueness, you see that they have, we hope, voluntarily identified themselves as a part of something bigger. Obviously, there are cases where that's not how a uniform is used. But for the most part, the concept of a, un- of a uniform is the idea that this person identifies with something that is larger than themselves, and they're okay not just needing to self-express all the time. Of course, of course, when we put on the virtues that come with following a God of love, one of the things that we quickly recognize is that we as the individual dearly loved don't have to force any sort of self-expression out of a fear that we are going to disappear that somehow we will not be recognized for our individuality. We will not be recognized for our uniqueness, that we won't be recognized for who we are. That fear dissipates and is absorbed into the beauty of who God is. And the idea that this God who deeply loves us has also created each one of us beautifully individual and that we are able to relinquish any sort of anxiety or fear around not being an individual. And that in that, it's okay. It's okay if on behalf of my community or the kingdom that I serve, I love and walk away. I don't need to be thanked for that. I don't need to be identified as the uh, resource of love that I am simply a conduit, that I can get out of the way and it does not need to be about me. That similarly, in my pursuit of what is right and my desire to stand up for another person, every once in a while, I may have the right thing to say and it might impact another person. It might um, It might be the words that stick up for another person that changes somebody else's mind. I hope they don't remember me. That in that moment, they are able to recognize that I was just a conduit. I was a conduit in that moment of justice. I was a conduit for um, something being made right for greater equity between people. Um, that I don't get the credit for that. I don't need the credit for that. Why? Because I am so deeply loved by a God who I know knows me and loves me and has resourced me with Holy Spirit, who 
in relationship pours through me to other people. Um, and that there are going to be moments where I can just get out of the way. And the best moments are the moments where you can say something and it doesn't, it doesn't need to be about you in any kind of way. That kind of humility is hard to come by. And I will be honest, I struggle to put that on. But if I can wear the uniform of humility, that my expertise becomes tucked into um, a concept of the kingdom and how the Holy Spirit pours through me, I don't need it to be about me. I don't need anybody to recognize in that moment because humility says that love has filled me up and I need no recognition for this thing. And in that, I don't need recognition. The person who has received is not bound to me. They're not, they're bond to me. They have just received that thing, whatever that looked like, that act of love. They have received that free and clear. How beautiful is that? I think most of us can pause and think of a moment when we just received free and clear, um, a moment of real love. Somebody stood up for us. Somebody spoke out on our behalf. Somebody quieted a room so we could speak. Somebody met a need. And maybe even right now, as you think about it, you can't necessarily remember who that person was, who said that, who did that. But it was free and clear, just given to you free and clear. As a kingdom people, we want to clothe ourselves in the kind of gentleness and humility that makes our loving a kind of uniform action that represents the kingdom and brings about a free and clear loving of others. Um, I don't know how much of that pause actually got picked up in the recording, but little feet just started tramping around outside. Uh, so, um, okay. Uh, so this idea of, we're going to carry this metaphor just a little bit further. Um, and this idea of, um, of how we clothe ourselves in love um, <clears throat> and representation. So very often clothing is uh, a version of self-expression and uh, somehow expresses our values. I have friends who uh, do not wear clothes that include any sort of animal uh, byproduct. I have uh, friends who only purchase uh, clothes uh, that are uh, gently used um, so that they don't contribute to uh, sort of the waste of the fashion industry. Um, that clothing is uh, a quick identifier of our own values. Um, <clears throat> clothing is also an identifier of itself. Uh, and there's no place where this is more uh, apparent than the red carpet, 
we have the Met Gala, for instance. Uh, for those of you who are familiar, this is the once a year event where clothing is literally just a work of art. Um, this last year, one of the outfits that blew everybody away was uh, Blake Lively wore a dress that uh, transformed, uh, literally transformed on the red carpet um, and was two dresses in one. And um, sort of the dress sort of unraveled in a way that was just beautiful and gold and blue and just uh, layers and layers and layers of silk, just absolutely stunning. Um, and in that moment, uh, she looked, Blake Lively looked like she was having a lot of fun. Um, but clothing that becomes an expression in itself of something dramatic and beautiful and artistic um, kind of blows us away. And I'll be honest, I, I am blown away um, by the kind of care and the, the sort of just artistic expression that, that I can't even begin to wrap my head around. Um, and in that sense, whoever's wearing that piece of clothing, they may really enjoy it, but I don't know that they are necessarily expressing something that's very personal. They are, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, just kind of a conduit for something dramatic and uh, maybe uh, maybe super bold or just incredibly beautiful. Um, whatever it is, an artist has created something for an individual to wear, and they enjoy the grace and excitement. Um, of getting to wear something that was created by another person, uh, by another individual. And um, that's often where we see uh, credit given for that artist who put this incredible piece of clothing together. And it's not hard. It's not hard to identify that we are not the source of kindness or humility. We are not the source of gentleness or patience. That there's no trait in 1 Corinthians 13 that is a part of love where we can say, I did that. I'm the source of that. We know, we know that we are just the conduit and that we have been graced as a community and as individuals by this love that pours into us these different traits. Some of these traits do not come naturally to us. I'm not a particularly patient person. You may find that you struggle with compassion. And yet we know that I don't have to come up with all of the patience. I just need to humbly be able to ask for and then receive and practice the patience that I receive. That when my mind is brought into check, when I am being impatient, my mind is brought into check by the Holy Spirit. And I think, yes, okay, I'm going to take some deep breaths. I'm going to slow down. And I am going to try to be patient in this moment. Whatever it is that you engage naturally, that is wonderful. What we don't engage naturally is a gift. 
And by that, I mean being able to receive what does not come naturally is a gift. And in our community, we receive that gift. We work with one another to receive the gifts that come with love, that we receive compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. We receive it from one another and we pour it out as a community to those around us. Over all of these, we put on love because the greatest of these is love. That we recognize that whatever we are working on individually, that as a community, we have bound it all together in love. As we wrap up, I want to invite us to consider 1 Corinthians 13 as a community. To ask ourselves, is new community patient? Is new community kind? Do we boast? Are we envious? Do we dishonor others? Are we self-seeking or easily angered? New community, do we keep a record of wrong? Or do we ever delight in evil? Instead, do we find that we are able to rejoice in the truth? Do we always protect, always trust, always hope, always persevere? We may not. And as a community, what we can identify is that we are an expression of a God who does always protect, trust, hope, and persevere because love never fails. This God who loves us, this Jesus who we seek to imitate, is the one who moves through us in our imperfections. And so I would like to encourage you as an individual to put on these traits of compassion and kindness, of humility and gentleness and patience. See how they fit. If you find that one fits better than another, maybe that's something that you can work on, but also find somebody in our community who's doing that thing well. We can learn from one another because we are bound together in love by a God who deeply, deeply loves us. My prayer for you as you finish up this podcast is that you would go out into your day aware that you are wrapped in love that you do not need to earn or pursue that love, that it was wrapped around you from the moment you were born, and that God deeply, deeply loves you and wants that love to be an expression to every person that you encounter in your day. May you know that love and may you feel the warmth of that love as you go out into your day. Bless you, friends.